And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. There's, there's nuclear contamination in Okinawa, there's nuclear contamination in Guahan. All of these horrors we're experiencing are because of colonization, are because of capitalism, and also, which also upholds white supremacy. And so our, our, our struggles are so connected. And so sometimes we can feel really hopeless, but it's in making these connections and meeting each other and building these relationships and building solidarity that we're able to draw strength and to push for a, a real message of peace and genuine security, not just in Australia, not just in the Pacific, but for the whole world. Indigenous people are really struggle with the impact of the you know militarization. So I really hope to get this issue international, then make more effort, movement, knowledge, and get together to uh, go for for justice, like in a better way. Hello and welcome to the Radioactive Show, the Talisman Sabre military exercises that have been happening across the top end of Australia, from Western Australia, Northern Territory and Queensland. And this is the largest military exercises that we see happening on the continent and has seen 30,000 military personnel, largely from the United States and Australia, but uh, different countries that are involved in these war games. And this expansion of these military operations coincides with this huge expansion of the military industrial complex that we see epitomised in the AUKUS nuclear pact. And to coincide uh, with all this happening, the Independent and Peaceful Australian Network organised a Pacific Peace Tour and we opened the show there with the voices of Monica Flores and Shinako Yakaya and they are two First Nations people. Uh, Monica is from the Guahan people of Guam and Shinako is from Okinawa. And I was really lucky to catch up with them during the week when they were in Canberra midway through their tour. We're just about to mark the 78th anniversary of the use of the atomic bomb by the US at Hiroshima on the 6th of August and Nagasaki on the 9th of August. So it was such an an important time to discuss these issues of the impact of the US military and this real push that we're seeing with Australia integrating so deeply uh, with the United States and the impacts that is having on so many different countries in the region. And here we've got Maneka and Shinako now. I'm Shinako Yakawa from Okinawa, Japan. Okinawa used to be a kingdom, independent kingdom, but it's um, annexed by Japan. And then it's so militarized prefecture in Japan. And then I'm a part-time lecturer at the Okinawa University. And then I'm also the activist. And then we have so many uh, U.S. military-related issues, land glove, military, you know, cloughed, clashed down into the schools, contamination of drinking water by PFAS, 
noise pollution, and you know, so many crimes, including murder and rapes. So, you know, like being with the US military is really affecting the indigenous rights and then people's and um you know daily life and then it's destroying the nature so i really you know it, we were told like you know this is for security but our life is never be secured and then i understand that you know this military expanding into like a for example darwin to include more you know um in business um regions and then make it really dangerous and um really bad situation so it's it's my you know pleasure to be here in australia for the first time to talk about our struggle and then we get together to think about our future and about the genuine security yeah hi half a day my name is uh, Maneka Flores, and I'm from Guahan or Guam, which is in the Marianas Islands archipelago, also known as Laguas Sangani. And we've been, I've been invited to be part of this tour because of the hypermilitarization that's been happening on Guam, Patu, Guam. Um, there's a construction of a new marine base as well as a new live fire training range complex and urban warfare training complex. And um, it's it's um it makes our sole source aquifer extremely vulnerable for contamination. The, the fire range is actually right on top of our sole source aquifer, which provides our island 85 to 95% of our drinking water. Um, it's guaranteed the extinction of several rare and endangered species unique to our part of the world. They've desecrated many, many ancestral burial sites and sacred sites. And um you know, this is just, we have to measure this destruction and devastation against a very long history of environmental racism, contamination and destruction caused by the U.S. military in Guahan and in the Marianas Islands. And now we're being set up to be a site for war again. Both Okinawa, Guam, as well as the Philippines um, are considered first strike communities. So if the United States does go into conflict with North Korea or China, our communities will be places where the United States will project its power, therefore making us these big targets. And the whole world knows that the United States relies on our islands very heavily um, and has invested billions in military infrastructure. And so we will be the first to be attacked. And it's connected here because the rationale for war games like Talisman Sabre, as well as the rationale for AUKUS and the demand to have nuclear powered submarines in this part of the world is connected to that because if Guahan and Okinawa and the Philippines are attacked, then these these um, this heavy machinery and these nuclear subs from Australia will come to the defense of the United States in a time of war. And so um, we're here to spread a message of our stories and the hardships, the difficulties we experience, but also to push a message for peace, um, to encourage the people of Australia and the leaders of Australia um, to demand for uh, peace and diplomacy and not participate in these war games and in this horrible partnership, which is basically promoting conflict and provoking conflict in the, in the, in the Pacific.
We went Brisbane, Sydney, and we came to Canberra today. And we have so many uh, meetings with the peace activists, scholars, and some indigenous uh, people of Australia. It's really good to, you know, communicate each other and share our perspective for the, you know, um, for peace. Mm -hmm. And also as indigenous women, we want to bring our concerns for indigenous rights as well. Um, Okinawa is occupied by Japan. Gohan is occupied by the United States. And we're a territory, we're a colony in real time. Um, a lot of people don't realize that we can't vote for president. We don't have a, 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 you know, a voting delegate in Congress. And by the very definition of the territorial clause in the U.S. Constitution, people and land are property of the United States. And we have never been a part of the conversation um, with regards to the relocation of Marines from Okinawa to Gohan. It was a unilateral decision between two empires, Japan and the United States. And the people of Guam have never consented to that. And so um, it's really also critical that we're making issues of indigenous sovereignty and independence also here. They are, all, they are definitely connected when you, especially when one of the things we really um, learned about, we got to hear from Karina Lester from South Australia. And she talks about how her father was exposed to the nuclear testing and, um, and suffered blindness uh, just a few months after as a young person, um, but became uh, a huge, uh, important leader for anti-nuclear and indigenous rights issues here in Australia. And it was a true honor to hear from her. And, um, and you know, there's there's nuclear contamination in Okinawa, there's nuclear contamination in Guahan. All of these things, all of these horrors we're experiencing are because of colonization, are because of capitalism, and also, which also upholds white supremacy. And so our, our, our struggles are so connected and so, Sometimes we can feel really hopeless, but it's in making these connections and meeting each other and building these relationships and building solidarity that we're able to draw strength and to push for a, a real message of peace and genuine security, not just in Australia, not just in the Pacific, but for the whole world. We also met with leaders of the Green Party. We met with uh, Jenny Leong yesterday and some of her colleagues and their staff. And um, we're gonna go to parliament tomorrow and meet with leadership there because um, all all leaders, all all levels in the government here, um, as well as you know at home in Guahan or in Okinawa and even in Japan, should demand peace and diplomacy. Instead, there's all these conversations around getting all of our countries and homelands ready for war, and um, we just ex you know celebrated in Guam the commemorations of the violent American recapture that happened during World War II. And um, so Okinawa and Guam both have a history of, of war happening in our in our islands. You know, in this case, it was the two imperial powers of the United States and Japan. And we were the stomping grounds. We were the collateral damage. So we know um, that war is extremely devastating. It's an evil that you never unsee. And it's a horror that passes down through the generations. It's a trauma that many generations carry after, whether through the contamination that's in our bodies or other ways that the violence manifests. Um, we have serious issues of suicide, addiction. Our houseless and incarcerated population is native, mostly native, even though we only make 
of our island. And so all of those are symptoms of the problems of colonization and militarization. You're tuned to the Radioactive Show, produced in the studios of 3CR Community Radio in Fitzroy on the unceded lands of the Kulin Nation and broadcast across the continent thanks to the Community Radio Network. We're hearing from Moneka Flores and Shinako Yakawa, and they have been touring several major cities and uh, meeting with people as part of the Pacific Peace Tour organised by the Independent and Peaceful Australian Network. And Shinako had uh, visited the United Nations earlier this year to uh, take their struggles there. The Japanese and the US government are violently pushing through construction of new military bases at Hanoko and Takai. And as one of the Ryukin First Nations people of the Okinawa region, Shinako went to connect with other First Nations people in the struggle. And I asked her a bit about that work. So... um. Yeah, we Rican people and then Guam people go to United Nations for some forums for the indigenous rights. And then we do a lot of, um, you know, testimony and statement and then which violates our indigenous rights. And but actually it's, you know, it's really hard to face with the really big power like, mm. it, you know, U.S., military we can never be treated like equally and their um you know contamination crimes and accidents are never questioned uh, in in japan in okinawa so it's really um important to you know be it international because we are facing the same issue like uh, indigenous people are, are really struggle with the impact of the, you know, militarization. So I really hope to get this issue international, then make more um, effort, movement, knowledge, and get together to uh, go for um, that, you know, for justice, like in a better way. That's I hope. Yeah. And Moneka Flores, is uh, part of a court action that is fighting to stop the U.S. Air Force from disposing of leftover munitions on Guam's beaches and other areas around the island of Guam. And I asked her to share a bit about where things were at with that court case. So we have a lawsuit with Earth Justice against the Air Force and they're doing open detonation. They're blowing up old munitions on the sand. There's no control of air emissions. We were carpet bombed uh, in World War II during the recapture, and they have no idea how many munitions remain on the island. And so anytime there's construction or clearing, they'll find um, these explosives. And they also applied to do open burning, which is very hazardous, you pour a flammable liquid on these materials and you light them on fire. Um, this will definitely contaminate our our groundwater with uranium, lead, PFAS and PFAS. These are very serious risks and we already have a high level of contamination um, 
there's a super fun site at the Anderson Air Force Base right now. Uh, and it has to do with our water and it has to do with PFOS contamination. And um, we, the, the case actually um, was dismissed and we're in appeals right now for it. And we have, also have a second lawsuit. Um, and this second lawsuit is with the Center for Biological Diversity. And that's uh, for the construction of the Live Fair Training Range Complex. And so with the first case, we're looking at violations of the National Environmental Policy Act um, and all the ways that the military broke that federal law, um, including not providing us with enough information, not engaging the, the, the community, getting our consent. And um, yeah, just the total lack of free and prior and informed consent there. And with the second case, we're looking at violations of the Endangered Species Act, where they broke their own mitigation plans um, to try to mitigate for the, all the destruction they're causing. Of course, we think we always thought the mitigation was weak, but now we're seeing that they themselves really don't seem to have a true intention of carrying out that mitigation. Mm -hmm. And we also had a super typhoon in May, and we saw a lot of the devastating impacts uh, from what that kind of clearing means. You know, when we're talking about the amount of land, if you can imagine 925 football fields worth of land, worth of uh, 925 football fields of forest totally wiped off the face of the earth. Um, it's affected the recharge of our aquifer. And we really felt that after this typhoon, we saw how the forests in the north were extremely weakened and vulnerable. We saw the destruction of endangered species and we had a water crisis after that typhoon. And so, um, you know, it's also very frustrating because it, the climate crisis is here. Not only are we watching the hyper-militarization of our island and all of this destruction taking place, we know that the military is, the U.S. military is one of the world's worst polluters, um, responsible for several of the emissions that are exacerbating challenges around climate change. So to be at this site with the impacts of climate of the climate crisis and the hyper-militarization happening at the same time, and then being set up as a site for war, to say uh, I'm feeling frustrated is really an understatement. It's 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 rage. It's a lot of um, it's a lot of injustice, and it's it's just there's just so many layers of injustice on existing injustices that have never been made right. And some final messages from Maneka and Shinako. Yeah, I want to um, suggest to have more like an international um, meeting to think about what's you know what's the meaning of security and what's the, the new security for the you know like ordinary people indigenous people women and children it's really important um timing to think about it so let's get together to you know go for our future yeah thank you very much yes uh i agree it's time that we ask you know the question what does genuine security really mean but it's also a time for us to come together as an international community to demand for peace. And um, it's also time that the peace movements also center indigenous sovereignty and indigenous rights issues as well, because we can't disconnect uh, these issues. What happens to the land happens to women and children. What happens to the land and water happens to indigenous people. We cannot separate the issues of the environment, of peace and of indigenous rights. And thank you so much to Manika Flores and Shinako Yakaiwa 
and also to Catherine Kelly from the Independent and Peaceful Australian Network who helped on the tour and connect us all up for this conversation. And continuing on looking at the theme of colonisation and corporate greed and the way that these see the manufacture of nuclear weapons and weapons of war and then create also the conditions for their use. We're going to go now to hear a conversation that Uprise Radio presenters James Brennan and Mercedes Senka had with Jacob Grek, looking at another part of the story of the creation of the atomic weapon that has been invisibilized somewhat in current times. Like a lot of people know that, you know, the nuclear bomb was dropped on Hiroshima and then Nagasaki three days later, and they know that, and they know America dropped the bomb, and they probably know that Japan was already suing for peace with the Soviet Union, and America dropped the bomb because they they wanted to get to surrender rather, rather than the Soviet Union. Um, but we talk about America built the bomb. And I just want to think about what that is for a moment, because America didn't build the bomb. The American corporations did. And just to put in a bit of context, President Roosevelt at the time was born in, I think, the 1880s. He grew up as a young man in the age of sailing ships. He was the undersecretary for war during the First World War. And most of his knowledge, you know, you're still in the days of the early ironclads and even the wooden hulled ships of the Great White Fleet, um, steam-powered and um, and sail. And then all of a sudden he gets this letter from Slizard and then Einstein saying, talking about splitting a bomb. All right, now you've got to think of a 60 or a late 50s, a bloke my age, with this new technology just talking about splitting a bomb. This bloke, when he was growing up, was getting around in a horse and cart. <laughs> all right, he had... Mm. What the hell are these people talking about? So he went to Leslie Groves, uh, engineer from the Manhattan Engineers, and to a bloke named Vanamir Bush, no relation, who formed the Raytheon Corporation, Light of God Corporation, and the, the guy who invented radar. And they went out to corporate America, and they went to DuPont to talk about gaseous diffusion. They went to Chrysler to build the... The Rods, they went to code, not Kodak, they were called Tennessee Eastman or Eastman, Tennessee, because of their knowledge of working with photographic plates meant silver oxides to heavy metals. Um, they went to Alice to build tanks. They went to, they went, Kellex, which come out of Kellogg, not your cereal manufacturers, but Kellogg that later became part of Kellogg Brown Root, KBR, Halliburton. All these people came together to develop, to put their incredibly um, specialised expertises to get together. And then you need the uranium itself. The, the uranium itself largely um, came from, what's his bloke's name, Sissinger, Sijina. Um, he was, um, took over the, uh, the mines in Katunga in the Congo that... Um, King Leopold II had started when the Cong Congo was his personal fiefdom. They were digging zinc and copper 
and uranium is all often found with zinc and copper, just as it is at Roxby Downs, for example. And all the uranium he took at the beginning of the First World War and went and hid it in a warehouse on Staten Island in New York. All right, so when it, so the actual uranium that was in the bombs that was dropped on the people of Hiroshima was dug from the mines by the Congolese slaves under King Leopold II, which is the single greatest act of genocide of all time. And again, that was the corporation mm. that, that provided this. So you had all the corporations, it's the same corporations, the very same corporations that are today building the weapons that are being used all around the world to keep people in jobs and to keep governments happening all around the world and particularly at the moment in Africa, back in Africa, um, to continue the flow of resources from the poorest people in the world to the richest people in the world. So it's not the American government, although they facilitate it. I'm no fan of the American government, obviously, mm. or I hope it's obvious, but it's the corporations mm. that actually do this shit. And so the significance of that is the, the genesis of the military-industrial complex under a capitalist system, which just streamlines every part of industry and business and through a corporate structure yeah. um, to impact everybody who's involved from mining from parts and you know the the, the red book that you put out years ago about yeah. all of the small pieces that weapons are you know the yeah. bolts and nuts of this kind of proliferation of industry of where each yeah. thing is made so when you see oppenheimer across you know oh, i haven't seen it yet but, but it, you know th just the name oppenheimer you know of the film it's sort of you know this yeah. focus on on one person it's yeah. really not it's the great man theory of history. Yeah. Mm. But then it's, it's also like you talk about the start of the military-industrial complex, and it was because then towards the end of the First World War, when they sat down to work out the rules for trade at Bretton Woods, we developed the IMF and the WTO, the GATT initially, and all that, these corporations, the very corporations who built the bomb, were granted exemption from the World Trade Rules for National Security. So the so-called global rules-based order is a rules that are based, you know, for everything except military production. Much like how climate change, the emissions are not considered a part of what the military is using as well. That's right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so that's set a precedent for the exemption of military to be in anything, which is like the permanent state of emergency. It's the exception of normal laws yeah. only for the military. Yeah. And they call it security, but it's not security, it's military. And I'll have to end that there because we're coming up to the end of our show. That was Jacob Grek speaking with James Brennan and Mercedes Zanka on Uprice Radio. And you can listen back to that 3cr.org.au forward slash Uprise Radio. And just to finish the show, thanks again to Moneka Flores and Shinako Yakawa for joining us. You can listen back to all our podcasts, 3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive. 
The Radioactive Show is produced with the support of the Nuclear Free Collective at Friends of the Earth Melbourne and shared with community radio stations across the continent thanks to the Community Radio Network. Thanks so much for listening and tune in again next week for more news and views on nuclear peace and energy issues. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.